Hello, Caroline. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Justine, to you as well. We are talking Brexit today in our little mini podcast. And yeah, at the 11th hour, we finally had a trade agreement on Christmas Eve. It literally went to the wire, didn't it? It was, yes. I mean, it was great to see a result. Yeah, so a huge relief for farmers, the industry, retail, everybody right across the food and farming sector. Big relief. But of course, you know, it is certainly not frictionless. We're hearing reports on the media, radio, etc. of delays, increases in paperwork for exports and also at the abattoirs and also food and supply shortages that's resulted in these new trade deals. These disruptions look set to continue, Caroline. So yeah, we're now entering the uh, full second working week of being outside the EU. And I'd just be interested to hear your thoughts about the impact that um, these trade deals have had so far. The really good thing is that, you know, we've got zero tariffs and zero quotas. Both parties and the spirit of really driving a good relationship and a continued good relationship with Europe has been really key, trying to get, you know, very robust level playing field. Absolutely critical. And of course, maintaining their high values and standards that, you know, are respected not only across Europe, but also by British consumers. High animal welfare, high environmental protection, not to mention the things that are a given of food safety and biosecurity. So on one hand, that's fantastic to see that there sort of happening and as a core thrust to what we've resulted in. Yes, I mean, there are obviously teething problems and that is a challenge and will certainly be a challenge for a lot of businesses. And I guess this is now when we really find out how to run it. This is where issues happen around the paperwork, the inspection process. I know from our vet here at the farm, they're busy retraining as animal inspectors as well, so that any movement of livestock going into Europe, whether it be breeding pigs or lamb, they are able to sign off those lorries as being fit. So there's certainly a lot of activity. And I guess there will be some things that will go well and hopefully that we will achieve in a very short time and there will be some things that will be a bit more of a challenge. So I guess it's keeping a really big and open eye as to how that's going to run and work out. But I think of us sitting here, Justine, gosh, 10 months ago as COVID hit and just thinking, gosh, what's this all going to look like? And, you know, we are pretty resilient as a farming industry. And when needs must, people come up with very smart solutions. Not ideal always, but hopefully smart solutions and innovative approaches that will see us through the short term and then drive stronger and longer term solutions as well. The new EU trade deal I hear is a huge hefty tome and I know many farming organisations are still trying to trawl their way through it and decipher what it means to them in practice and what are the pitfalls and the opportunities. So what are the challenges certainly for LEAF members and the opportunities for LEAF members that you predict will come about with the trade deal and also with future deals that we may develop outside of the EU? 
So I think there are two different areas. So there are those members of ours that will be trading not only across Europe, mainland, but also globally, where they are working with farmers and farming in their own rights in Africa and right across mainland Europe. And so for them, there must be significant challenges around this whole area of logistics. So much of our food is transported via shipping containers and lorries, freight in effect, much less as air freight. But I think for them, that will be the sort of the paperwork challenges, delays at ports and access to labour, of course, which is going to you know, probably hit us come the summertime again. And then for a lot of our other members, it's going to be that whole critical area. We had a discussion about six months ago, Justine, you and me, around the food security challenges. And food security is not just about self-sufficiency and food safety and the avoidance of food fraud. It is also ensuring that our farmers have the capability to farm. And that is needed to be supported by skills, by kit, by inputs, by machinery, by knowledge. We have across Europe very many relationships and partnerships for research. And in addition to that, access to parts for our tractors and, you know, milk machines and things like that. So we are starting to see some challenges around that. And I think trying to keep and maintain those flows is going to be very important. The opportunities it might drive are actually manufacturing opportunities here in the UK, the drive for localism. And, you know, we have seen a tremendous kind of purchase into the local food scene. And that in itself is a support and drives rural economies. So maybe there'll be a bit of that. But it's a bit early to predict at the moment. But I know, you know, my husband was saying that he milks in gloves and because of PPE and everything like that, there are shortages of gloves. One or two of the antibiotics that are regularly used, there's none available. And when I say regularly used, I mean that are approved for use. Gosh, as an industry, we have really done such a good job at reducing the use of antibiotics. But the fact that if we are deprived of access to the very tools that help support farming and farmers being able to farm, then that's a real knock-on challenge right across the board as well. I just wanted to broaden out discussions, really. It's a hugely significant year, 2021. Obviously, on the domestic front, we celebrate 30 years of LEAF. We launched our new 10-year strategy at the end of last year. But also on the global footing, the UK is holding the presidency of the UN Climate Change Conference, COP26 in November. We also have the World Economic Forum Annual Meeting at the end of this month in Davos. The much awaited for launch of part two of the National Food Strategy as well as huge changes to the way farmers are going to be paid as the government rolls out its agricultural transition plan as part of ELMS. So massive changes really and I just wondered Caroline how you feel these developments and these events will help shape current priorities and challenges for the UK farming sector in general and LEAF members in particular? 
well, as you say, there's significant change going on and a lot of consultation. Justine, you know, 30 years ago, I can't believe where that time has all gone when we started with Lee. (laughs) And I guess our mantra has always been, you know, we haven't the money, so we're going to have to think. And boy, you know, the pressure on all economies across the globe is very, very high. So thinking is going to be the number one agenda. Clarity. And I, you know, what I love about the farming industry is that capability to come up with solutions because farmers have to. You can't just think, oh, well, it may sort itself out. It doesn't work like that. You do have to come up with really practical, achievable and realistic solutions. That gives me the hope that actually with all the consultations that are going on with the importance of co-design for the development of the agricultural transition plan there will be some really good thinking you know we've got a legacy uh, not only as leaf but the farmers we work with and the industry as a whole with some really cracking examples of what is needed to drive change and indeed mitigate against climate change and the challenges of extinction of biodiversity. So really, really great opportunity, but we have to be lighter foot. We have to be very hard thinking. And I'm really pleased by our strategy. I think it is forward looking. I think it captures and embraces a lot of the changes that are going on, providing us in the sort of a really strong route and plan for moving forward so that we can support some of the best and leading farmers in providing you know these beacons of excellence to help support and drive other farmers our members and the industry as a whole so our vision of a global farming and food system that delivers climate positive action builds resilience and supports the health diversity and enrichment of our food farms the environment and society is right there and I think Also, as you say, COP26, again, really important. Building up to that, we had Chris Buss from IUCN, who's on the lead team for running COP26, really sort of pushing ahead with a year of climate action. And there is going to be such an opportunity for the UK to showcase quite a lot of good examples. And one would hope there'll be a new kind of Paris agreement that is signed up to really to try and mitigate against the challenges we are now facing with climate change. 2020 was the hottest year on record globally ever, uh, along with 2016. So over the last six years, they have been the hottest recorded temperatures ever. So we do know that trying to create positive action for climate, nature, economy and society is going to be very, very key to what we can achieve in a practical approach through integrated farm management. Uh, You mentioned integrated farm management, Caroline, and our new strategy taking us to 2031. We've really built on our IFM framework and it's now framed around circular agriculture and I would love to have another chat with you in the near future about the whole concept of circular agriculture and how you feel that whole framework will drive forward change 
and try and address some of the challenges and changes that are going on at the moment. But for now, Caroline, thank you very much for your time and your insights. And let's see how the next few weeks unravel and we'll have another chat again around Brexit and also circular agriculture. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Justine. Yes, and and let's add to that circular agriculture the importance of regenerative farming and and nature-based solutions because... Not only is it COP26, it's also COP15, which China is hosting, and that will be creating a a new post-2020 biodiversity framework, which again is something that's really key. So thank you very much, Justine. Thank you. Thank you.